0: Welcome to episode thirty of fifteen thirty. Sounds weird to say that. Um, we're covering the U.S. Open, and then obviously all the craziness that's happening right now. Um, it's the men's quarterfinals today, um, and we'll we'll get into the matches that just happened. Uh, one of the two matches that have been played, but also want to want to cover the crazy turn of events uh, with the top seed, obviously on Sunday, and it's a big opportunity for the young guns. So we'll we'll be going into that as well. Welcome to 1530, now introducing your hosts, Ben and Matt. First of all, we'll start us off with the stat of the day. So the stat of the day is 84%. So that is the the average first serve points won um, for the for the player that's remaining in the draw. Or actually just got eliminated from the draw. So Andre Rublev, if he gets his first serve into play, he has an 84% chance of winning that, uh, winning that point, which is the best. Uh, in the U.S. Open right now, so kind of we'll talk about that, and because he really is kind of a smaller guy, but he but he packs a big punch. So we'll talk talk more about his game and how he can do that. But that's a it's a pretty interesting stat. That's a very high number. Uh, if you know if you chart matches and see what your first serve points one at, one is, that's a very high number. So if he can keep that up, he can keep punching above his above his weight. That'll be that'll be good for him and his tennis as he's continued to improve. He's at a career high ranking right now um but yeah i've been really impressed with the young russian but matt what are your what are your take on the u.s open uh so far it's been kind of a kind of a crazy one with no fans and many other things
1: yeah yeah at least they're able to play right i mean you have months and months of no sports from the pandemic shuts everything down so i mean it is what it is right obviously we knew going into it it was going to be a different situation and a unique situation you've got Fed; he was going to be out anyway i guess from surgery but nadal decided not to play and um I, it was jokes to lose right we all knew that coming in but uh i'm just i'm glad to say able to start up again i think it's good i think it needed to happen
0: yeah same uh it's been really interesting with the hawkeye live system so on every every court except for the the main two courts arthur ash stadium and the louis, louis armstrong stadium they have hawkeye live so they don't even have line judges, which is really interesting. It just uses the Hawkeye, and then it makes a call if the ball is out, and it's like a person making the call, but it's usually it's using the camera system. So it's been funny. Some of the players were kind of confused because the Hawkeye watch system was also used on all the courts last week at Cincinnati Open, which was really played in New York, right? So that's been kind of interesting for some of the players that they're not used to it or they were getting used to Hawkeye live and then you go back to the normal challenge system on the, the top two courts. But I think, you know, from what I've been watching of that, that's, that's, that system has been working out really well and the players, I mean, they can't really challenge, but they can just ask yeah. to see it again. And it's always the same and it shows, yep, the ball landed on the line or it landed out. And then it's, I think it's led to a lot less uh, stoppage in play and a lot less arguing. So, and you're getting the right call, right? Which is what we want. It's instead of the challenge game where, Oh, he should have challenged there. It was totally in. Well, Sounds <laughs> kind, of, kind of dumb, anyways, right? But it'll be interesting to see with social distancing. That's kind of their been their excuse to implement it. But we, I don't know. I mean, with it being so good and maybe positive feedback from the players, we could see that being the new standard in the future, maybe. So,
1: yeah, thing. I think that's an important piece that you turn over to the. I mean, I know a lot of people get frustrated with automating a lot of stuff and things, but that's something that that's probably effective, right? yeah they got the the fallibility of human eyes checking lines and, and these guys hit the ball so hard and so fast and those <laughs> paper thin lines right and so right having an automated system there just to to check it every time it just makes sense if you yep. that
0: exactly it's not a game of inches anymore it's a game of millimeters of how no, how hard and how fast and uh, how close the lines these guys hit so it's been it's been interesting to watch but we'll we'll go ahead and uh, and talk about some of the the best matches so far. Any matches that stand out to you, Matt? That you want to talk about?
1: Yeah. So I honestly have been uh, pretty busy. Haven't been able to watch too much of the tennis. I, I can talk a little bit about um, Djokovic.
0: Yeah, that's a big match. Let's talk about that one. What have we got there?
1: Uh, you know, I I didn't look at any of the stats. I turned it the the match on five minutes before. Uh... <laughs> I, I turned it on five minutes before the match ended, right? So I watched Carina Busta, his opponent go down, love 40 on his serve and claw back and hold. And then I think he broke joke in that game. Mm-hmm. So joke in, in the, uh, on Carina on Busta's serve, got mad at one point and hit a ball into kind of the sideline to the stance. He was obviously mad, I mean, was he you know did he hit the ball at the end of his own serve out of frustration who knows but i'm sure everybody's seen it by now joke as there is changing sides turned around to hit the ball to the just to the corners i guess to get the balls back and uh unfortunately ended up nailing the line judge in the throat so (laughs) you understand the rule it's there right You, you hit a player ended up defaulting and yeah. I mean, you can't really argue with, with the, the decision being made off of the rules that are in place, but you have to wonder if that ball was really hit that hard. It, you have to wonder, it, there's no way it was intentional. No. And that, that's a man alive. Is that a big, uh, a big impact on, on the tournament and the outcome?
0: Absolutely. On the, the top seed. Right. I don't think I've, I've heard of that. Yeah. I've heard of players being defaulted for this. Um, One that wasn't a grand slam match was one where Shapovalov got really mad as an indoor match and hit a ball. He thought he was going to hit it up into the stands or at the ceiling. And it came down hit the chair umpire actually right in the face. And so like in the eye, and so he was just sitting here, you know, clutching his eye and so obviously he was booted from that. But again, right, different scenarios, a Davis cup, that wasn't the top seed. And like you said, Djokovic didn't hit it that hard, but you know, it was just unlucky placement, unlucky you know, where, where the lines, where the line judge was, was there, you know, not, not her fault, obviously, but just kind of a, an unfortunate circumstance, but it opens up a lot of opportunity, right? We're going to have the first, first time slam winner since 2014, right? It's six years when Mar- Marin Chilich came and beat uh Nishikori, because uh, Federer and Djokovic respectively fell out in the semis. So yes, a huge opportunity for the young guns. So that's kind of what, kind of joking about right the next gen they're coming but kind of by default right it's kind of my little joke there so yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see um who do you have as the favorites uh that are remaining who do you think is going to take the title
1: yeah i for me personally i think uh it moves over to medvedev he had a phenomenal phenomenal tournament last us open and what he lost in the finals right yes um, but still played incredible out of his mind. I mean, his whole hardcore season last year was really nice. And, uh, he seems, I don't know, from what the little I've seen, he seems to be in the same mindset, same track, uh, this year. So, uh, I even though he's, you know, you've still got team in there, you've got Sasha who, you know, maybe the, maybe the no fans equals less pressure. <laughs> He'll choke less, but, uh, he's already in the semis, So it, you've got competition there, but I think, uh, I think Medvedev is whatever reason, really feeling it on the hard court right now, especially in New York.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the more and more I watch him, and just just so the listeners are aware as well, Medvedev, he hasn't dropped a set all tournament. He also has not been down a break all tournament. So he's playing phenomenally at the US Open. You mentioned last, last year's hard court season. I didn't think you know he could uh, he could replicate those results. He hasn't necessarily replicated that, but he's playing very good at a very high level, And I do expect him to be the favorite. If you go to ultimatetennisstats.com, they have him as a 40% favorite, uh, 39% favorite to take the title now at this point with Djokovic out and with a lot of the other players out, which I think is probably about right. Um, They have Sasha as the second favorite at uh, 28% and then team at 21%, which I think maybe makes sense at first. I'm like, why is team not, not second there? But it's because team has the unfortunate... Draw of having to play Medvedev in the semis if he gets there if he beats Alex De Minaur tonight. So uh, I think that's kind of the the de facto final in my opinion. Not nothing against Veret, he's a great player, but Team has been playing phenomenally as well, which is interesting because Team lost pretty badly to I believe his name is Kranovich, early in Cincinnati, like straight sets early in the tournament. People are like, oh, Team's playing horrible at the US Open, but now he's been able to adapt to these courts and he's because they're very fast, uh, which teams usually not, not as good on the faster courts, but teams have been dominant. Uh, so I think Medvedev and team will be kind of a popcorn match, maybe the de facto final. So definitely watch that one. And then on the other side of the bracket, you has Verov and Karen Busta, which surprising to see Karen Busta in another semifinal. He made the semis, the U.S. Open in 2017. So kind of a counterpuncher guy, but he's, he's playing pretty consistent tennis.
1: Yeah, well, and it's good to see, it's good to see that even though he got past joke by default, you know, he didn't lose the next match. Right. He's still there. So, you know, he's sitting here saying, well, <laughs> let's take advantage of this. Um, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure cranial boost is sitting here saying, what's going on, what's happening. But, uh, I mean, he arguably would have taken that first set against joke who yeah,
0: exactly. It, he was on a break, right?
1: Yeah. 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 You know, he was, he was serving for the set. Who knows? Yeah. Obviously joke, uh, at doubling down but yeah who knows?
0: who knows that's a great point it's been super interesting before we get into the fourth round kind of covering because i definitely want to cover all the stats from the djokovic match even though there's only not only not even one full set and then the rest of the matches uh from this week i want to talk about the best match of the tournament that i've watched so far um it's been the current the chorich uh ct pass match so ct pass came in also rightly billed as one that could capture the title. Even before Djokovic went out and Sisi Pazzo was playing some great tennis, he went up two sets to one over Chorich and was up 5-1 in the fourth set. Chorich somehow relaxed and started playing great tennis, was able to save six match points, win the tiebreak, or or excuse me, win it 7-5 in the fourth set and then win a tiebreak in the fifth set, even when he went down a break in the fifth and he came back to win the tiebreak. So Chorich, I don't know how he did it, Honestly, don't know how Siti Pass kind of choked that, but very high quality ten- tennis. Lots of winners from either side. Great passing shots. So I'll talk about those numbers here. Um, both of there, we're kind of doing the similar thing as we've been doing the last couple of slams. Is doing the serve mark um, or the serve factor and looking at that differential and just to see what it what it tells us. So on the on the serve factor, CCPOS had about a 1 110 serve factor. So again, that's combining your first serve in with your first serve points one, um, adding it to your second serve points one, kind of giving you a total how good you are on serve as far as points winning. So he's about at 110. Church was not far off at 104. So that's a difference of about six. And so over five sets this is considered, Considered a tight match. I think in our straight set, straight setters that are a blowout, it's been about a difference of 30. So a difference of like six—that's that's incredibly, incredibly tight. I think that's the tightest of all the matches that I've charted this week. And so just so going to the numbers a little bit further. So they really did have about identical numbers. First serve points one, 69% Chorich, 67% Sitsipas. Second serve points one was lower for Chorich at 59%, Sitsipas at 64% and then they had identical almost identical first year points in uh, pass did much better on as far as aces he had a differential of 13 between his aces and double faults church only had two he was serving well but just doesn't just doesn't get as many free points on the aces there and then uh, as far as their winner ratio Pass had a lot more winners than unforced i think church just happened to, to be winning the right points there Tsitsipas ended up losing four more points overall, 177 to 173. So you can tell this is definitely one of those matches where it really does come down to a point here or there. You know, think about it. Pass. That he closed out the match. He had, I think he had three match points at 5-4 in the fourth set, even after blowing a break. So I just don't know how, how he does that, with, especially as good of a server that he is. Um, I think he tweeted after. He's like, this is like the strangest and the funniest or saddest thing in my career. And yeah, it really was amazing. He, I, you know, he could have maybe gotten much further, but credit to Chorich for hanging in there and playing some great tennis. As you can tell, no, the numbers really nothing separates them. If you looked at these numbers identically, you would see maybe CT pass by a hair, which, you know, had he taken a step, taken the match point, he could have won in four sets. But the numbers are just really right there. There's nothing separating these two guys.
1: I wonder. And then we'll
0: go into Djokovic. So you mentioned Djokovic and uh, Busta, Karina Busta. He went up a break on Joke, like you said, six five is about to serve it out. But had the numbers continued, you know, this was obviously a small sample size, one set, had the numbers continued throughout the match, Djokovic would have won fairly comfortably. His surf factor was about 120. Anytime I've seen surf factors, you know, in the above 110. Uh, the person's pretty likely to win. Uh, Colonel Busta was wasn't doing bad either, though. His serve factor was at, at about 100. Get this: so Djokovic was winning 80% of his first serve points one. So not quite as good as 84% for Rublev, but 80% that's that's like a Federer-like number there. You're you're not going to be dropping serve too often there, and he was getting his first serve points in at 71%. So credit to Busta for actually breaking him, because that's pretty difficult when when Djokovic is winning numbers at those clips at that clip. And then, yeah. So, and there was only two points that separated the, those two guys in that set, that partially played set, thirty-three points to thirty-one points. But had had the sets or had the match continued at that rate with Djokovic serving that well, winning that many first serve points, one, I think. I think the match would have gone to Djokovic in a in a three-setter, maybe a tighter three-setter. But that's kind of what our, our differential there shows. Uh, any any thoughts on those numbers, Matt? Between those two guys
1: no i think it's interesting i mean obviously you have a super small uh, uh window you i mean you only have one set of <laughs> data but yeah i mean i'm sure joke would have pulled it out it's always harder in these best of five to uh to catch a fluke right to really to kind of get lucky and win when your sets uh, it normalizes things a lot more even it's the playing field so, exactly. no, yeah, I think that's-
0: I was wondering the same thing with, cause Serena again, got pushed to three sets again today and then she recovered, lost the first set, won the next two. I thought about it, like if if the women played five sets, how often would Serena lose? And I think mm-hmm. the answer that, like, so like you're saying, right? It more normalizes it. The better players are gonna win it out. I think Serena would get upset a lot less um, unless she was playing someone like Osaka or she was just really having a bad day. But kind of interesting how, you know, with the women's game, there's always that small margin and then when you go to like the, you know, Masters One Thousands, not in the slams for the men, sometimes you can have, you know, Kyrios steal a couple sets off Djokovic or Federer and it can beat him, right? But in the slams it's harder. So yeah, it's just interesting. It favors people like Djokovic. But interesting that Djokovic had not even created a break point up to that point, which I guess is credit to Karina Busta. Again, I didn't watch too much of the Djokovic match, but that's yeah. that's amazing he didn't even create one break point up to that. And he's one of the best returners in the game, so Find that a little fascinating.
1: Well, and I wonder how much because I don't know if you watched any of the Southern and Western. Is that what it is? The tournament beforehand that was played there. Joke was. I mean, yes, I understand his joke. He won the tournament, but there were uh, multiple matches. I know in one match he hurt his shoulder. Another in in that match, as well as another one, he was was sick. He was nauseous out there. I have to wonder if. He was fighting through something on a personal level at the same time. And obviously, I mean, he made it, what, to the fourth round or something? I mean, he was still playing well. He was still there. Mm-hmm. Joke's always going to compete, and he's always going to play well. He's always going to fight. Um, but I wonder if that would have caught up to him at any point in this U.S. Open, the way that it started to in the Southern Western. It was against Rionich, Um that he was he was – not looking good out there, so
0: right, yeah. And Rounich, he won, uh, he won the first set 6 1, right? Like yep. you're over Djokovic, that's pretty shocking. Which, speaking of another guy, Rounich was taking out tons of people in the Western and Southern Open, he was playing so well on these faster courts, serving really good big. And everyone was saying, Oh, Rounich could be a finalist here at the US Open, he could go really far, and then he loses like second or third round to uh, to Hospice, his Canadian you know, compadre. so super weird. You know, like I said, team did really bad at the Western and Southern. It's is doing great here in New York Rayonich did the opposite. So it's kind of weird They're the exact same courts. I don't know if it's just an unfavorable draw or what, but just interesting. Uh, to see.
1: You got to wonder if that lost to joke, got him a little bit. I mean, you take the first set six one, mm-hmm. I, has he ever beaten joke? <laughs> I think they showed a stat that he's it like, doesn't,
0: it doesn't feel like he has for all the stuff. Yeah. I've I think he's like, oh, and 11
1: now. And a win there would have, Made him the number one Canadian player again, but so I mean, in his head, there could have been you know maybe a lot riding on that, maybe that was still smarting when he was starting the US Open. Who knows? But
0: yeah, it's a good point.
1: Definitely yeah. an unfortunate loss there. He had a had a real chance at doing something and still lost it.
0: Huge shame. Okay, uh let's see what else we got. Oh yeah, and one thing to note, uh, I don't think I pointed it out really. So. Since Pass did have a better serve factor, this was one where our serve factor failed to predict uh, Chorich winning, right? So Chorich had a worse serve factor by about six, still ended up winning. This same thing happened to us in the Australian Open when team beat Nadal um, in four sets. The sets were so incredibly tight and it was again a difference about five on their serve factor. Nadal had a better serve factor by five, but team still wanted out a lot of tiebreakers. Again, Chorich winning in tiebreakers. So this is again showing when the when the match really it is decided by a couple points it really doesn't matter what your stats are you know if you're if you're that much better you just have to win those important points again we saw it with federer and Djokovic at the wimbledon uh, 2019 final wimbledon final federer was better by in every statistical category by significant amounts except for tie breaks one right and that's what determined it so Again, I, I really like our surf factor formula and what it can do to predict matches, especially if someone continues on their trajectory of uh, winning surf points the way that they do. But in really, really tight matches with tiebreaks, it doesn't, doesn't do a lot to help. So just know that there is that uncertainty, but that's what makes tennis fun, right? That's what makes any sport, when it comes down to the fourth quarter, overtime, time, you know, tie breaks makes it fun. So it's been interesting to chart. We have Shapovalov, he had, a Incredible tournament. I know he's disappointed that he lost in five to Karen Busta, but credit to him, he beat some great guys. He beat Goffin and some other players to to get as far as he did. I think that's the furthest he had been, at least in the U.S. Open, maybe in a major. I don't know. But um, his uh, his win over Goffan was a was a four setter. His uh, surf factor was better by about 16. So again, if you look at 16, you know that's probably not going to be a straight setter, and it wasn't. It was a four setter, but it was still fairly decisive. Um, just looking at the numbers, kind of shocked to he, he hit quite a few unforced errors, but shot the ball off with his offensive game, right? As you know, huge serves, he'll come to net a lot. He hits that backhand up the line really well. And that forehand, he's just, he's just a very dynamic player. Very fun to watch. He can get a little bit loose and miss, miss some. Um, that's what happened to Karina Honestly, he was getting broken a lot more than I'm used to seeing. But anyways, against Goff he played, played pretty fantastic. He won 71% of his points at net. He won 76% of his first serve points, which is great. 53% of his second serve. And Gauphin, on the other hand, was a pedestrian. 44% on second serve points one and 68% on the first serve points won. Right? So looking at those numbers, you know that's going to translate to a a bigger difference on the serve mark. And it was. It was about 17. So uh, I love watching Gauphin, but good for a to pull off to see another Canadian uh, do really well. Again, not the Canadian a lot of people were predicting people had roundage going further uh zverev in his uh fourth round match over fokina i guess he's a spaniard he he had a surf factor uh, greater than 28 uh difference over fokina so that just shows you that's gonna be a very decisive straight sets victory and that's what it was he blew him out in every category it wasn't a very close match so that's, that's what kind of i was talking to talking to you matt earlier about right the, i felt like a lot of these matches in the fourth round i'm like oh these are going to be a good match and they were like complete blowouts you know, Chorich over Thompson, team over uh, Felix Ajay Aliazim. See if I mispronounced that one. But the young Frenchman who was playing dynamically, or not Frenchman, Canadian, but he speaks some French. I thought that match was going to be a great popcorn match. Team dispatched him. It was a tiebreak in the first set, I guess, but it was like 6 1, 6 1 after that. And it was not really that entertaining to watch. Lots of errors by the young, uh, young Canadian. So. Yeah, I guess I was a little disappointed at that, but still fun to see young guys go out and play, play hard. Team, this is a, one of the bigger uh, differences of surf factor. He had a surf factor difference of 43 over feet over Ajay Ali so just decimated him. He had about 119 surf mark. Ali had 76, and team just pretty much took every single point from him. So, 40 percent second serve points won. The Canadian couldn't really catch a break. So team is playing very, very well here. He's been able to adapt his game. I've been impressed at that. He used to just be a clay court guy or a slow court guy. Now he's able to, you know, go far at the Australian Open, make that final, almost be joke. He's able to do it on these fast courts. And so I'm really impressed with his game. I think winning at Indian Wells over Federer last year really helped him. Let's see. Kind of skip over some of these other ones. So like I said, a lot of them are blowouts. Okay, what I want to talk about is the Rublev-Berrettini match. This one was a four-setter. If you look at the score, you wouldn't think it was very close. It was a lot of 6-3, six, six, um, I think it was six, 4 six, six, three, six, three, uh, for Rublev. So he lost the first set and then came back and beat him. But this match was very, very tight. It had a difference in surf factor of 7 or 6.5. So this would tell you this would be an incredibly tight, even a five-setter. Um, this was actually just a four-setter. So this just showed you that it was a lot tighter um, than the score showed. And you, you could tell this by a lot of the points. Both guys, their first serve percentage wasn't that great. It was in the high 50s, 58 for Rublev, 56 for Berrettini. Of course, Rublev again was spectacular, 85% on his first serve points won. Berrettini was worse at 71%, but then Rublev won less than 50% on his second serve points won at 49, just barely below. And Berrettini was slightly better. There's a little bit of a contrast of style. Berrettini was doing a lot of slice, a lot of coming to net. But, yeah, this was this was extremely tight. Rublev, so fun to watch him go for every ball and hit it. He hits it kind of flatter. Hits it goes for it really, really hard. But he was able to kind of outwork Berrettini, who had beaten him last year at the same round at the U.S. Open. So, excited for Rublev. But, again, this was a much tighter match. If you watched it, you know what I mean. It was much tighter than the score showed. So, another interesting thing about the serve factor there. Um, same with uh, same with Zverev and Chorich in the quarterfinals. So this one was played yesterday. Zverev won. This was one where um, our formula actually didn't predict it as well. It was uh, it showed that Chorich had a better serve factor, one hundred seven to ninety five for Zverev. So it's a difference of twelve. This would predict a tight four setter um, going to Chorich, but in fact it was a tight four setter going to Zverev. So again, this was a lot of tie breaks Zverev lost the first set 6-1. After that, it was a bunch of tie breaks in a row. So, again, just shows you tie breaks. There's more uh, more room for error there, right? Smaller smaller margins. So, this match, Zverev only won four more points than Chorich. But both guys played great. Zverev's second serve points won, though, was horrible. 41%. He's got to do better than that. Kornel Busto will make him pegs. He's a great counterpuncher. He needs to do better on a second serve. Not double fault as much and just get the ball in. Sometimes he was going for like a second serve that was 130. He's kind of doing two first serves. So I don't know Matt, what do you think about Zverev and his, uh, you've probably seen that as well, right? His little serving woes. What does he need to do to get out of that?
1: And if I knew I'd be playing right there next to him, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, yeah.
0: That's, 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 that's kind of what the commentators say, and They're like, should he try two first serves? Should he just uh, make sure he gets enough racket head speed? Should he go for a put less on it? They they were kind of going back and forth, um, kind of whatever was working for him. But their their point is he needs to practice that a lot more um, if he's going to contend for majors. Otherwise, his other weapons, everything else is pretty much there. But that was that was a little frustrating for him. He kind of lost the first set because he had a couple bad double faults that cost him cost him the break. So we'll see on Zverev. I think, I think he can make the final. It's just like you're saying, I think I would more favor Medvedev or even team in that, in that case. So, all right. And then kind of skipping ahead to a couple other matches yesterday was Krenobusta and Shapovalov, which I mentioned, this is a five setter, but it's kind of deceptive because one of the five, one of the fourth set was 6-0 Shapovalov. That's really just cause Krenobusta lost an early break. And then he kind of stopped trying to conserve his energy for the fifth. So Shapovalov, it shows that he won seven more points overall. Really, that four set's kind of an outlier, kind of throwing out the data. So this one with the serve factor, though, it shows kind of what it was. It's a difference of 14. It actually makes it more of a, a type four setter um, instead of a five setter. But either way, it's a five setter that's decisive. So kind of interesting that even though it went five sets, our kind of model shows that it knew, knew it wasn't, as close there, despite that 6-0 that kind of threw it off. So yeah, Shapovalov was just disappointing on his first serve was fine. His first serve points were fine at 79%. It was his second serve points one and 40%. He just, once he got in the rallies, Colonel was so much more consistent. He kept the ball deep and Shapovalovs would sometimes just go for shots up the line and into the net that he shouldn't have been going for. He wasn't being very patient in rallies. So his his net points were again a great number of seventy four percent. So you know, impressive shop of, all of there, him going to net, but he's just he's got to get better in those second serve point situations. Maybe being patient in the rally and not trying to force things, but still a, a great effort by the Canadian. And he's still young; he's got a lot of years left for him. So now we'll talk about the match today. We'll talk about the two Russians. So Medvedev and Rublev, they've they've known each other a long time, right? They're kind of some childhood friends. They played a lot. Practiced a lot together, including at this year's US Open. Rublev played great. He was up 5 1 in the tiebreak in the first set and basically ended up blowing it. Medvedev had an amazing backhand that he was able to stretch and turn it, turn defense into offense and win the point. And I think that kind of turned that tiebreak around for him. And he was able to win it 7 uh, 5. So I think that frustrated Rublev. He ended up winning in, in three tight sets. Um, another tiebreaker in the third set. And our surfactor factor showed with a difference of only 16 that, again, this this maybe shouldn't have been a three-setter or maybe was lucky to be a three-setter. This one could have been more of a, of a decisive four-setter here or a tighter four-setter. So Medvedev is lucky to get through it in straight sets, especially with how well Rublev was playing. And Medvedev is starting to cramp up at the end too. So I think he was really glad to be done with the match, honestly, at that point. But Rublev kept with his uh, 80% First serve points one. Medvedev did him better though, 89%. I don't think we see numbers like that too often. And then 65% points one on the second serve points to 61% for Rublev. And then both guys were 59% and then 51% for Rublev for getting their first serve in. So pretty close numbers, but Medvedev was definitely better and it showed. Um, and those tie breaks, those small differences are kind of magnified and you end up winning the the tie break. So. I'm um, definitely impressed with Medvedev. I do agree with you; he's the guy to that can win it. But I think there's some pressure right on all the guys because Djokovic is out. They know this is a huge opportunity for them. So, what do you think, Matt? What do you think about those numbers? What we got upcoming?
1: I th- yeah, I mean that's I, I think that Medvedev's first serve numbers, his first serve percentage in, not necessarily the one. Uh, for surf points one though, those are really low. I mean, he's in the fifties for these at least the last two matches 50%. Yeah, uh, that's uh, That's pretty inconsistent. I mean I you Probably need, probably want to get those up to be a little more confident in your, <laughs> in your Chances of winning anything, but I mean they've served him well so far he's moving forward, but um, yeah. I I think uh, going back to, you talk about your serve mark, your serve factor and some of these closer ones, it would be interesting to look at the serve factor in uh, just the tie breaks alone, right? And I'm sure that we'd find that, uh, I mean, so Medvedev when he was playing Rublev, is that right? Uh, Yeah. He won that, yeah, he won. Well, yeah, so they had two tie breaks I guess I was thinking of Zverev when he played George. He won the third set tiebreak seven-one, right? So uh-huh. I'm sure that that serve factor was heavily in favor of of Zverev, because right. I mean he, he won all but one point. Obviously, it's you know eight points, thirteen points, and then in, in the other tiebreak. So you've got a super small sample set, um, but I'm sure that that surf factor would be more, um, at least for that set. Um, uh, more indicative of, of the outcome, but, uh, certainly interesting. I mean, those numbers to look at that and uh, makes sense, but we'll see yeah. what happens.
0: Yeah, definitely a good point. Cause like you're saying a tiebreak is almost like it's own mini match or mini set yeah. kind of played there, very small sample size. Unfortunately they don't chart matches that way or right? maybe we could have someone do that for us, have that data would be nice, but mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. Right. Especially the tie breaks that are, uh, lopsided you could definitely easily see that, but even the ones that are close, it's just, it's crazy. Well, literally one point can decide it, you know, win by two, but one point, you know, one lucky winner up the line or one Rublev had one that just kind of dribbled over the net and there's no way that Medvedev could have gotten it. Luckily, you know, that didn't decide things, but it let him get to his bigger lead. So there's just, there's so many different factors at play there, but uh, I can also talk real quick about the winner average. So, these are, these are the matches that i charted from the fourth round on. So, so far the winners, they the, the winners of the matches, they've had a first serve in percentage of 2% better than their opponent. So again, maybe doesn't matter as much um, as, as the whole serve factor picture, like we're trying to show, but first serve, first serve points, one 9% better, the winner's been 9% better. So we know, like you said, Rublev. that's, I think that's one of a lot of matches. He's smaller, but he, he really gets a lot of, out of that first serve. And then the second serve point is actually also nine nine percent, kind of the same. So that's maybe where I'd see Medvedev doing really well or Team Djokovic. The more I think about Medvedev, the more I just think he's another Djokovic because he's he moves around the court so well. He so defensively oriented, but then he can quickly turn that defense into offense. He can hit winners from so many different areas of the court, especially with that backhand. He's just he's an amazing player to watch with that movement and that flexibility. So. Be interesting to see what he continues to do here at the open. And then break points one, kind of predictably it's 19% better, right? The winner usually gives himself more opportunities and converts more of those opportunities. And then on the return points, this one is interesting. They usually win 10% more returns. And you can see that, especially with a Djokovic or a Medvedev who return really well. Um, and then in, interestingly, winners don't seem to matter that much. Um, it says it's 0.1 uh, winners on average better. So usually, you know, there there can be matches where if you're spraying all over the court, but you're hitting more winners, it doesn't matter. Think of like Chappell-Boll-Up, having a lot more winners in Carreña Busta. Winners don't matter, but unforced errors and your ratio matters quite quite a bit. So, um, and the net points are similar to I looked at the Australian Open when we matched when we charted it, and net points was also eight percent. The winner usually does eight percent better our net points. At the French Open, it was nine percent. So weird, kind of like one percent different. Could just be some noise there, but yeah, overall overall, there's some interesting points. You know, you really got to get your first serves in, but it's more than that. You need to win those points, back it up, like we've seen Rublev do. So yeah, kind of some interesting points there. Let's see, Any uh, who's so you predicted Medvedev. Who do you think he'll face in the final? What do you think? How many sets do you think it'll go? Do some predictions here.
1: Who's on the other side? It's the and Karina Busta, right?
0: Yep. Zverev the and Karina Busta.
1: I would love to see, I would love to see the Spaniard make it, Um, you know, given second life right there.
0: Yeah.
1: I I think that'd be cool. Um, I don't know. That that will be an interesting match. We might actually get a a real good one here. Um, I think Carina Busta would do it. I'll put my money on him.
0: All right. All right. I like that. He can make his first
1: final. Perfect. And I think uh, I think Medvedev's gonna take it in four sets
0: in right. the final. I also have Medvedev in four sets, but I have him over Zverev. So we'll see. We'll All see right. what happens. Write these down and see if see if we're running on Medvedev or we could have Karina Busta, you know, Nadal might be happy about that, get another Spaniard, gets get a title. We'll see. <laughs> that'd be very unlikely though. That'd be that'd be crazy. But yeah, I think team and Zverev have have a very good shot as well. We'll see who who comes to play. But yeah, that's what we have on the U.S. Open. Um, as always, um, check us out at cognitionsphere.com where we where we talk about these matches and um, we have we have all these stats available.